All right, let's go ahead and get into the enumerated gifts. So this is an attempt to go through the four different gifts as they're listed in the New Testament. Now, if you've ever compared these lists together, you'll notice they're not in the same order. There's some missing on some lists, some uh, that are present in others. So what I'm going to do first is we're just going to read all four of the lists. And then we're going to, I'm just going to pull out some of the ones listed there. And the ones that we're going to deal with later, you'll notice they get their own whole section. So <laughs> these are the ones that are probably the least controversial, if you will, of the gifts. So I feel comfortable putting them all in one session. But I could be wrong, and that might prove to be true. So we'll see. So the first uh, text I want to turn to is Romans 12. And what I would prefer is if I don't read these, but someone else reads them as well. So if someone could get to Romans 12, 6 through 8. Yeah, it's like uh, listed or uh, spelled out. I can read it. Go for it, Lindsay. Yeah, yeah, please. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, and someone else, if you want to go to 1 Corinthians 12, you can get ahead of the curve there, right up there. Thank you. Uh, and then 1 Corinthians 12, if anyone's there, just say, I got that, and then go ahead and read it. Uh, starting in uh, verse 7 through verse 10. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Cool. And if uh, anyone wants to read verse 28 as well, 1 Corinthians 12, if you're there. Okay, great. Um, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Okay, and then uh, Ephesians 4, verse 11. You gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Mm-hmm. So you put the saints to the work of ministry, building up by your Christ until we are all attained. Yeah, great. So, something you'll notice about all these lists, the reason I think it's important to read them all is because our first source of what does the text say is the text itself. So the first place to go always when you're checking a topic is to read something and then read where else in scripture talks about that thing. Uh, in all of these cases, you'll notice they're all from the same author. So the, it's a pretty reliable set of lists. And so within the same author to various churches, he's listing some gifts that are the same and some gifts that are different. So some are mentioned in one list, omitted from the others. Some are mentioned in two places, omitted from a third. So it seems that Paul is not concerned with what many of us are concerned with today, which is making sure he has an exhaustive list of all the gifts of the Spirit written in Scripture. We know this because if he was concerned with an exhaustive list and he thought that was a really big deal, he would have kept that list the same throughout. 
We know this because when the apostles and Paul himself talks about the gospel, he can, they consistently mention the same kind of points, right? Jesus died for your sins. Uh, he was buried. He rose again on the third day. Is now reigning in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He, they don't miss points when they present the gospel, okay? When he's presenting the gifts, he seems to be more comfortable with leaving some things in, taking some things out. So because of that, I don't think his intent is to give us an exhaustive explanation of all of the gifts as presented in scripture. That's the first thing we can observe. And so then whatever list we're going to compile out of even all of his lists, if we put them all together, we're still not going to have an exhaustive list of all the things. For example, if we look at the Gospels, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. None of them give us an exhaustive account of all the things that Jesus did in his ministry. That's not the purpose of the Gospels. Even if we took all of them and put them together, we still have missing events. John tells us this, and we know that there's missing events in these Gospels. And the gospel writers are not concerned to tell us an exhaustive list of everything Jesus did in his ministry. What they're concerned to tell us is that Jesus is in fact Christ, he is the Messiah, and he came to save. That's the intent. That makes sense? So it's not an exhaustive list, but with what we have in the text, we can draw some principles out and we can start to try to examine what are these at least listed gifts, the ones that we have here. And then from that, we can start to discern what other gifts that are not listed might be viable. Okay? So... I think between these two lists, we can get uh, some pretty good uh, commonality. So I've, I've assembled them here. Uh, I've categorized them kind of first on the like instruction end of the spectrum. And the second half of them are almost on the service end of the spectrum. Uh, this is not necessarily the, the all-encompassing way to do it. This is just a natural division as it seems to me. So you could agree or disagree with this. We're just going to try to go through them and un understand them. So the first one that's listed, it's listed in a couple of places, is the gift of teaching. Most consistently, the gift of teaching is not necessarily referring to preaching. Preaching is the gift of teaching, but it's, it's, that's not the only thing that teaching is talking about. Teaching can apply to many settings, not just to the church on a Sunday to the body. Okay? For example, we know that there are people who are qualified to teach that are not elder qualified in the church. And they are still required to exercise their gift of teaching to the body. We have examples of this today. We have women who are very gifted in teaching who don't get up in a pulpit on Sunday and preach. They write great books. They write commentaries. They study the languages. They teach in seminaries. But what they don't do is do preaching. Okay? So teaching is a gift that people can be given. It's, it's separate from preaching. Does that make sense? So... That's one. What teaching is, is, you know, what we pretty much understand in our culture. It's explaining something in a coherent way so that other people are learning. If you want to know if you have the gift of teaching, ask yourself, if you, if you say, explain something to someone, do they learn it? <laughs> and as far as be concerned with the spiritual gift, it's if you explain spiritual matters to someone, if you're explaining doctrine or theology or practical life advice to somebody, does that cause them to understand it and learn it? Or do they leave going, I don't know what you just said. That will tell you if you have that gift or not. The second one on that list is exhortation. Exhortation is taking a doctrine of scripture and pressing it in to somebody's life to see, to encourage them or to rebuke them. Timothy is told by Paul uh, to uh, rebuke, to exhort, uh, so that his church would be found worthy before the Lord. So exhortation is partially teaching. It, it depends on teaching if you like. But it is, itself is also not exclusively preaching. You can exhort someone in a one-on-one -on -one situation. You can sit down with somebody who's caught in sin 
and you can exhort them. You can sit down with somebody who's discouraged by something and exhort them to truth. So exhortation is a gift, but it itself also is not preaching. So we, we have to think in biblical categories, and then we'll try to put modern language on it. I'm trying to distinguish between modern terms that we use versus terms that Paul uses here. So teaching and exhortation. Now you might ask the question, where might preaching fit in? Somewhere between teaching and exhortation, both together is preaching. But I would still say that's not exclusively what preaching is because we'll get, we'll get downstream to that when we get to prophecy. So teaching and exhortation, both gifts can be exercised by any member of the church, not necessarily someone who's on staff at a church. The third one on that list is evangelism. Not, this does not mean that if you don't have the gift of evangelism, you're not responsible to evangelize. What this means is the gift of someone who's like a Paul, who has the burden to share the gospel with literally anyone he meets, and everyone he's talking to, he's talking about Christ. If you do that all the time, and that's something that was new to you after you believe the gospel, you probably have the gift of evangelism. Hey, that's not something that comes naturally to most people. Most of us, myself included, have to work very, very hard to motivate ourselves to evangelize. But if this just comes naturally to you, it's, it's spirit-given, that is the gift of evangelism. People like this end up going to be missionaries overseas, and they survive the most discouraging situations possible and still advance the gospel. Because it's not a natural gift, it's a spiritual gift. The fourth one on this list is the, the gift of apostleship. We're told in several lists that he gives to the church apostles and prophets and teachers. So we know that these are different things. Then the question is, how does the gift of being an apostle fit on the rest of this list? In scripture, um, there's a difference or a maybe uh, debate going on as to what it means to be an apostle. All words have a range of meaning. We know this even in English. But in scripture, when, when words are specifically theologically weighty, we struggle to decide, is this in one end of the range or is this in the other end of the range of meaning? Okay. I'll give you an example. When we talk about justification in scripture, sometimes justification refers to someone being saved uh, from, from uh, or so someone being verified to have been righteous. And sometimes it means someone having been made righteous apart from themselves. It means both in scripture. James uses it one way. Paul uses it a different way. So if we, if we say, no, 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 in every case, it has to mean the exact same thing the whole time. We're going to put ourselves in a pretty rough theological spot. We're going to force things where they don't go. And so the same thing with apostleship. Sometimes the word apostle is applied to a specific office in the church. You can think about the 12 apostles, right? Then they have to appoint someone else after Judas falls away. So they appoint another 12th apostle, uh, Matthias, who's given to them in Acts. Paul uh, makes very clear to his, his audience that he is an apostle because he saw the resurrected Lord and he was commissioned by him to be an apostle. Barnabas uh, is considered to be an apostle in some sense in the New Testament. We're just not really sure to what authority. James, the brother of Jesus in the New Testament, is considered an apostle. None of them, none of that kind of apostle, people would say, exists even till today. That type of apostleship, everyone would agree, has uh, ceased in the church. Okay? Every, every single person in the Protestant church believes that has stopped. Uh, if you are Roman Catholic, you would say that this continues, this gift of apostleship continues with the pontiff in Rome, that the Pope has the gift of apostleship, meaning he can speak authoritatively, he can write encyclicals, and when he speaks from the See of Peter, then he is speech, speaking authoritatively on, uh, on the same value and the same weight as Scripture. Now, he doesn't always do that, but when he does, he has that authority. The apostles in Scripture have the authority 
to say things and the church has to, has to follow them. Paul says, if, if, if you don't receive what I've said, if anyone doesn't receive it, let him be accursed. Paul can say that because he's an apostle. <laughs> you and I can't say stuff like that. So we can say on the basis of Paul's list that if anyone doesn't follow that, they're accursed, but we can't just go up to anybody and say that, right? He's an apostle. He speaks authoritatively. That other lowercase a, if you call it apostle, just refers to someone who's sent out in scripture, meaning someone who's sent out probably on a frontline missionary assignment. The way we mostly refer to that today is someone who's an evangelist. Not, we don't really talk about apostleship. So I think for our discussion, when referring to apostleship, we're thinking about the office of apostle, not every time we see the word apostle used in the New Testament, right? Because we sometimes distort the meaning of that word. So that's the gifts of teaching as put in these lists, or the, I should say the gifts of instruction. Um, and then the, uh, the other body of gifts um, has to do more with service. And you can see already I've made a mistake. Discernment should go up here with the gifts of instructions. So I'll just talk about that one real quick as well. Um, discernment uh, pretty plainly means that someone can decide whether something is true or false, and they're consistently good at it. This is someone who's not confused. Uh, this is someone who's not struggling to find out what's true and what's not. If you have the gift of discernment, likely you know this because you're the kind of person who in your flesh probably struggled with being a very critical person. And then in the spirit, God has given you the ability to now take that natural gifting and now you can use it and apply it to the body of Christ for the edification of the church to defend it from false doctrine and to protect the orthodoxy of the church. You can discern whether someone is telling you the truth or not. Those are, that's a spiritual gift that you've been given. So that would go in the realm of instruction. The ones for service are those bottom four that are listed there. Helping um, has to do with it, essentially you're the kind of person who's always ready to go and do whatever to serve anybody who's in need. Someone who's a helper uh, is usually uh, so as a result of God's grace. Again, these gifts can sometimes occur with natural abilities, sometimes can occur apart from natural abilities. Um, but the gift of helping is someone who's, who's ready to help at a moment's notice. This is, not, this is something that's not uncommon to the church today. We all know the person who's ready to help, always there, ready to serve in whatever way possible, right? Gift of administration, uh, we probably know this one well also because we live in a business world. Uh, the church needs people who can, who can run it, who can decide uh, what is the budget going to look like, uh, where do we need people staffed, what is the organization function like, what are the legal protections for the church. People who have that kind of gifting are administrators. They can use their more analytical, more rigorous skill set given by the Spirit for the edification of the church. You'll notice in all of these, the aim of the gift is to edify the body. Uh, giving, uh, this is, uh, again, just like evangelism, just, if you don't have the gift of giving, that doesn't mean you don't have to give to the church, okay? Everyone has to evangelize, everyone gives offerings to the church, but people who have the gift of giving have, by God's grace, been given a, a blessing of wealth, a blessing of financial prosperity, and so those with that wealth, that blessing spiritually, have the gift of giving. They can financially support things in the church that other people all collectively couldn't financially support. We have people like that in the West who can single-handedly fund missionary organizations and get people overseas. They have a gift of giving, blessed by God, for the benefit of the church. And they do that just out of charity. They don't really think twice about it. They don't have to be persuaded to get rid of their money. They're very generous with it. And then mercy. Um, if you're wondering uh, about this gift, how it's different from helping, uh, in many cases, you notice even with like teaching ones, they, they overlap a lot of times. Um, with mercy, this gift uh, is... 
I'm convinced if, you, if you're a Christian and you're serving in, in the nursing world, you probably have the gift of mercy because you are working in probably the most difficult situations on a regular basis, showing mercy to people. And there's a reason Christian nurses don't burn out in the same way that people in the world do. There's a reason they don't become bitter. It's because they've been given a gift by God to serve people. In the early church, this gift was seen uh, as service to the widows, service to the orphans, service to the sick, service to those in prison. This is a gift. And again, we've put them in categories like this just to help us see. But you'll notice, nowhere did I, did I number them. They're not more or less important as you go down. Sometimes Paul is in prison. He's a preacher in the church, an apostle. And he's dependent on people for gifts of giving, for gifts of mercy. So even Paul can't get away without the rest of his body. Okay? We see this uh, when he writes many of his letters. He thanks them for supporting him. He thanks them for encouraging him. Thanks them for praying for him. And he, so he's dependent on all of this stuff. Okay? So all of these gifts, as we put them all together, are needful for the church. Now, this is just the ones I think are clearly spelled out in the text. Um, if there's any that we haven't gone over, if you flip the page, you might notice they're going to get their own section probably towards uh, the latter half of our time. But for now, these are the ones that I think are probably the least controversial, and so therefore, just putting them all together as we go. I will pause there.